Hello and welcome to Free America. I'm your host, Nick Yaya. This is the Free America Podcast. And today is Sunday, June 26th. This is episode number 98. And boy, are we just moving right along up there to number 100. The coveted 100th episode is coming soon. It's a lot sooner than I thought. So uh, here we are at about the two-year mark. So thank you once again for joining us on this Free America Podcast episode. Uh, Today, our guest is Rick Pamplin, who is a writer-director. He's worked in Hollywood for many, many years and worked with some major film studios. Um, And uh, now he is uh, currently working on uh, some new projects. In fact, there is one project he he just released called Movie Money Confidential. It's a great film about essentially how to raise money and how to get your project financed if you're into making movies, if you're into uh, producing things. And I know a lot of our viewers and listeners um, um, are interested in those aspects. I know we had, uh, in fact, one of the people that was in the film with him um, uh, is uh, is also a friend of the show who was also on the show, um, Scott. And and so uh, we'll, we're looking forward to talking to him about his new projects and also about free speech. So um, this is a very important issue. This is something that is being stifled currently by our government and, and you know, big tech companies who are working hand in hand with the government to make that happen. So very important issue, because once our free speech goes, uh, so goes or there goes the rest of our freedoms. So very important topic to be discussing. OK, moving on before we get to him, uh, I'd like to cover a little bit of news. And as always, I like to encourage you to visit the Free America Podcast website where you'll find this episode as well as previous episodes. Uh, you also find ways you can watch the video version of this as opposed to listening to just the audio. Uh, I like to listen to the audio when I'm on the road. It's a great way to do that. You can just download it to your phone, take it with you. Um, but if you're at home on the desktop computer, I suggest watching the video version because a lot of times we'll include some um just some things that you'd, you'd want to see as opposed to hear about. So uh, check out that as well. All right. Um, and if you like what we do here at Free America Podcast, you can help support it by going to covidsmostwanted.com. That is the website for the deck of playing cards. These are cards like you'd find, you know, regular poker cards that you play with. Uh, but in this case, each card has a different face of somebody who's involved in the COVID-19 scamdemic. So here we have... Anthony Fauci is the ace of diamonds. We got Klaus Schwab, Xi Jinping, Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, Ralph Barrick, Xi Zhengli, who uh, created the virus in the lab in Wuhan, China, with the help of this guy, George Fugao, director of the CDC in China. And uh, we've also got the four queens, uh, which are the CEOs of all the farm, big pharma companies who are pushing out this uh, dangerous and deadly jab. Oh, and there we have Bill Gates, our ace of spades. And so We've got a full deck of cards. That's from the number, you know, the number two, all the way up to ace. We've also got a couple of surprise jokers in there, uh, which we think you'll like as well. So if you like those, go to covidsmostwanted.com, go to the store area, and just click on that little link, and it'll take you to our store where you can uh, buy a pack for twenty four ninety five. That comes with free shipping, and if you use the promo code podcast, you'll get a twenty percent discount. So you'll get out of there for about twenty bucks. Um, get get one of these decks of cards. They're great. They're great collector's items. Um, also great to share with your friends and family and as a way to kind of educate them. Um, this comes along with an educational component uh, for each one of the people included in the deck. Uh, I've written up, for example, here on Fauci, uh, written up, you know, the, the crimes that he has been 
accused of, which are genocide, homicide, fraud, racketeering, criminal conspiracy, and treason. And then it tells the story about uh, why he is being charged with those crimes and um, the, the, you know, who he worked with, for example, you know, Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance and, and the folks over at the uh, BioLab in Wuhan. So anyway, it's a fun project. It's a great way to help support the Free America podcast. So do check that out. That's covidsmostwanted.com and use the promo code podcast for 20% off. All right, moving on to our news today. Good news off the bat out of Australia. Unvaccinated teachers are to be welcomed back to schools as the mandate ends. So apparently, uh, like many places in the world where they laid off or fired these teachers for not taking the jab, they're now welcoming them back for many reasons. One, because they're understaffed, because they fired all of these teachers. Two, because a lot of the teachers who took the jab are now taking leave because they're sick or they're getting sick. Uh, because these jabs do reduce your body's ability to fight off infection. In fact, they make you more prone to infection. So um, good news for these teachers that they've they've got their jobs back. Uh, they will not, some of them will not be welcomed back at the schools that, that fired them. But um, nonetheless, they, they is a high need for teachers in Australia right now. And so I'm sure they will be employed um, somewhere. So that's some good news. Um, other good news out of England, a woman is the first person in the UK to receive compensation for COVID vaccine injury after her fiance's death. Now that, that part is not the good news. Of course, um, it's not good that anyone is injured or killed by these vaccines. However, the good news is, is that it is being recognized by the governments there. Uh, this comes a week after a gentleman in Canada was also awarded damages for the he was awarded a comp compensation for the damages that the vaccine cost him. So we're starting to see some acknowledgement that these vaccines are dangerous and that they are causing damage. Um, speaking of free speech, as uh, we will be talking about today with our guest, uh, M Missouri Attorney General files a landmark lawsuit against Biden for colluding with big tech. And uh, this is something that that I've been talking about here on the show before. And essentially, it was the Biden administration. It was also people like Anthony Fauci who were working with Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Twitter's Jack Dorsey to there's there's evidence of of collusion between these. There's there's emails, there's letters saying essentially that the government is telling big tech to censor people when it comes to things like COVID-19. So. That is a, a flagrant violation of the First Amendment. And how the tech companies were getting away with it is because they're not government, right? So a, a private company can do what it wants. That's what a lot of people were arguing, and, and that is true. They can censor people, and, and that is not against the law because they are a private company. However, the government does not have the right to censor someone, and the government cannot direct a private company company to censor somebody. So this is really good news to finally see that we have an attorney general with some cojones standing up and fighting back against this um, this tyrannical move by the Biden administration and essentially just by this this globalist government that has infiltrated the United States government. So that's good news. Um, follow up story to the the food crisis that we're facing. Uh, I, I've been covering this for the last several weeks. And this is um, just an update 
to this is an interactive map that shows the destruction of numerous U.S. food manufacturing plants, grocery stores, etc. Uh, there is a long, long list of of nearly a hundred different places where this is occurring. You know, you've got turkeys and chickens being destroyed. I mean, you've got five million chickens destroyed in Iowa, another two hundred eighty-one thousand in North Carolina. Uh, those are just some of them, 339,000 turkeys in Minnesota, two, 2 million chickens in Minnesota. So it goes on and on. They, they are just killing uh, our food supply and they're destroying these plants, these meatpacking plants and other processing facilities. Uh, there it is. Yeah, 100 different ones. But when you take a look at this interactive map, this is really scary. Um, I'm not really able to do it here. Um on the computer for, I'm not sure why that's not working right now, but um, anyway, you'll be able to click on this, I think, uh, when you download the article or read the article. But what I found was, oh, they, okay, there we go. It's starting to work now. So if you zoom in on the United States, you can see right here, there's just hundreds and hundreds of these Right. I mean, just look right there in South Dakota alone. Uh, there's there's just dozens and dozens of them. But here's the thing. You think, OK, maybe this is normal. Maybe this is just something that happens. Right. No. You look at other parts of the world. It's a fraction, a fraction of what is happening here in the U.S. There's a couple here, a couple there, but nothing really like what you're seeing in the United States. Look at that. So there, there is a visual representation of the attack on our food system, our food supply. And as I've stated before, I think that this is part of a coordinated attack against the United States by enemies of the United States with help from people within the United States. So these are enemies of our country, people who have committed treason, people, I believe, people like Biden and the Biden administration, our FBI, our DOJ and other agencies that have been infiltrated by these globalist entities or these uh, people with uh, affiliations to China, like the Biden family. So scary kind of stuff here, folks. But this is a great representation, great visualization of exactly what is going on. And uh, as I mentioned, I do believe that we are under attack. I believe we are attacked with a biological weapon with COVID-19, as well as the vaccines. I believe they've been attacking us with chemical weapons in the form of fentanyl. They've been attacking us with psychological weaponry and attacks um, to 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 um, uh, well to to scare us, to put us in a state of fear, but also to demoralize us. So this is just another aspect. They're now going after our food supply. So um, scary stuff, folks. Very very concerning. So that being said, you should be stocking up on storable food. I know some of that storable food is kind of expensive. It can be kind of expensive, the stuff that lasts, you know, 25, 30 years. But in a pinch, if you really just need to get something quick and down and dirty, get yourself some rice and beans. And it's easy to store. It's not expensive. And it, 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 rice and beans is a quick, complex carbohydrate, which can give you a lot of energy and for a very little amount of money. So, And it's easy to store. So I do recommend doing something and get a way to purify or, or filter water. These are very important things. So uh, moving on real quick to a couple more. Uh, just really disappointing stories. Anna Navarro on CNN uses her disabled brother and step-grand 
daughter as who has Down syndrome as examples of why women need abortions. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, obviously, because they just overturned Roe v. Wade and everybody on the left is going nuts saying we need the right to kill babies. It's all right. Uh, and I disagree. I don't think they have that right. They've already made the choice. They need to uh, take responsibility for their decisions and not snuff out a human life. But this is just an example of the 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 twisted ideology of these people on on this end of the political spectrum that uh, you know they think it's okay to kill people who have down syndrome or who who uh, are disabled because they are a perhaps a drag on society or a drag on the family that is there uh, there to take care of them i mean this is the kind of stuff that hitler was talking about the nazis that that were doing in the late 30s leading up to the beginning of World War II, they were um, they were justifying the euthanization of people with mental disabilities and physical disabilities because they said that they were essentially a drag on the economy, a drag on the state and the people. So they justified killing them. Well, this is the same sort of rhetoric that you're seeing out of people like Anna Navarro on CNN. So just absolutely disgusting, and and it just it, it exemplifies every reason why we need to fight back against these people just um just evil evil people i mean this next one is dr fauci his his policies says here um killed from anywhere from 300,000 and 900,000 children with his lockdowns mostly in africa so so the whole world was listening to dr fauci as he was the so-called expert on this subject and policies were uh, mandated based on his on his recommendations. And so here we have um, almost a million children being killed as, from starvation as a result of the lockdowns that occurred in Africa, thanks to him and thanks to Tedros at the World Health Organization. Uh, these people are responsible for all these deaths as a result. And how many lives did they save? As uh, not, not quite as many as they took as a result of their policies. So these people have uh, have no no problem killing children. Uh, that's just who they are. Okay, I had a bunch of other news that we were going to cover today, but uh, I'm not going to get to that. I'd rather get to our guest, and uh, he's been patiently waiting. So I do thank him so much for that. Um, his movie, uh, Movie Money Confidential, which I have right here. No, ah, here it is. Okay, <laughs> Movie Money Confidential is um it's it talks about the secrets of film financing from uh industry insiders and so it's got people like uh in the film burt reynolds salma hayek and of course our friend and friend of the show scott dupont and a little bit about rick here um he's been in the industry for well for a great great many years he's a screenwriter and motion picture director who spent the early years of his career actually as an award-winning print and broadcast journalist for CBS. And uh, that was in Michigan before he head out to Hollywood. He spent 18 years in LA writing and selling movies to Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Pictures, and Universal Studios, and writing and directing a syndicated TV series, Glow, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which I, I remember that show. It was a great show. Writing and directing his first feature um, film, Provoked. Um, and he's got a long, long history He's now currently working in Florida and um, is working with uh, 
distributors and and um, producers out there. And he's uh, currently working on another uh, documentary feature, as well as uh, some independent feature films, a comedy, a documentary, and two dramas, which are slated for production in 2022 to 2025. But uh, I'll let him tell his story. It's far, far easier for him to do that. And so please join me in welcoming to the show, Rick Pamplin. Hi, Rick. Hey, thank you very much, Nick. First of all, Congratulations. What a great opening. Not great news, but a great opening. Uh, Three years ago, if I would have watched your opening, I would have said this is the beginning of a science fiction movie. Sounds like it. This can't be America. You mean my father went to World War II, took a bullet in the head so we could have freedom of speech, so we could have freedom of religion, so we could have the Second Amendment. And now we're where we are and it's happened this fast. And by the way, I do want to let you and all your viewers know I am unvaccinated and will remain unvaccinated. All right. So um, all of uh, our people here, uh, as you probably know, um, we resisted the vaccination and we, you know, we use natural immunity mm-hmm. and uh, we like to call Florida, uh, you know, it's an oasis of freedom. Yeah. We, we don't play all those games that those, you know, other states are playing. I'm a huge fan of your governor, and I really have been at every turn have just been impressed with the decisions that he's made with regard to COVID or with regard to dealing with uh, the, you know, the uh, uh, proposed sexualization of children in schools and companies like Disney who are promoting that and, and, and standing up to them. Yeah, I'm very, very impressed with the governor of your state. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously tempted to move to Florida. I know a lot of people are. So I get, I get calls almost every day from people yeah. wanting to come here. Uh, I came here in 1994. I went to Universal Studios up in Orlando, and uh, I wanted to be an independent filmmaker. Uh, I grew up in Michigan. I went out to Hollywood, and I was in Hollywood from 1976 to 1994. And I mainly, I did a little bit of independent, but there wasn't a lot of independent film in those days. Uh, But I mainly worked at the studios, uh, got a couple college degrees, you know, sort of went through the system, started off as an actor. Um, Then I kind of became a writer. Then I really realized I really wanted to write and direct. So I saw the emergence of the independence and I needed to relocate my mother who had just lost her husband, my stepfather, to Florida. And I didn't quite realize what was going on down here with Universal and Disney and, you know, building studios. And Florida, for a while, was the third biggest production center in the world behind Los Angeles and New York. So we built kind of an infrastructure. Now what we are is a bunch of freedom-loving independents that don't want to be told what films to make by Hollywood or anybody. So uh, we have an enormous amount of talent uh, everybody from Sylvester Stallone to Kevin Sorbo to all of these uh, actors are moving here. Yeah. They're just in a great uh, 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 merge of uh, California, New York, people moving here, wanting to be true filmmakers, artists, right. to have free speech. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I thought about you this afternoon, and I love what you're doing with your show. I love this. I love the whole free speech thing. One of the things that... You know, I'm a big free speech guy. As you mentioned, I was a journalist. I won awards. I worked for CBS News. I worked for Walter Cronkite. I oh, personally wow. 
personally talked to Walter Cronkite on the phone uh, when I was a reporter in Michigan. He would call once a month. He wanted to know, you know, what stories were going, what people were saying. Mm-hmm. He was a real journalist. You know, he'd been in the war. Sure. He wanted he wanted boots on the ground. And I later got to meet him when I moved to Los Angeles. He really was the the last of the great journalists. And he really wanted to know what was going on. And I had great experiences. And when I worked for CBS, you had to have three sources and you had to present both sides of every story. You couldn't just go on and propagandize, make up facts and lie that like these propagandists that call themselves journalists. And I remember fighting with my assignment editor and my news director because they would not go with the story if I could not independently verify three sources and present both sides. And well, that's what journalism was. Yeah. I I don't know what they teach in these schools now, but, you know, when I left there, I edited the University of Michigan Flint newspaper and we won all kinds of awards and I operated that newspaper on those same journalistic principles. So uh, when I came to California, I really converted to interviewing movie stars and writing articles about show business. And I got out of the hard news business. But what's interesting and what I was thinking about today in terms of you and I talking uh, on on your show, there's no free speech in Hollywood. The, The biggest oppressors of free speech in my lifetime over the last three or four decades is Hollywood. Hollywood creates stereotypical characters. They are the most racist, sexist, stereotypical molds. You know, when, when I would go in and pitch movies, to the, and I've sold the Warner Brothers and Disney, I've done all that. You know, you couldn't have a female lead. You, you know, if, if you had a minority, for example, if you had a young black male, oh. they had to be the villain. They were already stereotyped right. when you're pitching your story. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had certain formulas that worked. And I understand that Hollywood is an alleged hotbed of liberalism and all that stuff, but they're really not. They're the biggest group of, of anti-free speechers and conformists on the face of the earth, hmm. you know, and, and, and they serve these sort of false gods. You know, for the last couple of decades, it's been China. Right. You know, China said, oh, you're not going to put that in that movie. So they'll put it in there. And, yeah. and I have no idea what's going on with Disney. I didn't know when they got in the business of grooming children on sex education. You know, I don't understand that. I worked at Walt Disney. Uh, we tried to do quality, family-friendly pictures. Yeah, that's what I they're known for. Movies. I, I don't understand any of this. I, I, honestly, I, I feel like I'm on a on a, on a, a planet and in a, a, some other outer Alternate space. dimension. Yeah, Yeah, this isn't America. So my film is a little bit of an outgrowth of that because the longer I was out of Hollywood, the more freedom I had. And then as I made independent films, I found out that there were things I wanted to say about myself, my relationship with God, things I wanted to say about Jesus. When I, you you laughed, and I don't want to talk a lot because, you know, it's a dumb show. But when I was one of the creators and the writer and the director and the original Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, you know, we had a thing called standards and practices. Uh, we could put a wrestler in a ring with a with a chainsaw chasing around another wrestler trying to behead him. That uh-huh. was okay uh-huh. for television. 
but you couldn't say the words Jesus Christ unless it was in a derogatory manner. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, one of the great scandals of all time, go back and look at the standards and practices on network and syndicated television and what we had to go through. Violence was okay. Sexism was okay. Racism was okay. But you're not going to say a good word about God or Christians or family. This has been going on for decades. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I came to Florida to be an independent. And even at Universal Studios, they began to, you know, they started promoting certain things that I didn't really want to get involved in. And there was a great deal of pressure to support political people, to make donations. And I just decided to go out on my own as a complete independent. So I've been an independent uh, since 2008. And, you know, I've been blessed. I know a lot of people in the movie business. um, And I seem to have enough talent to make a living at it. And Movie Money Confidential, my new film, which just came out on DVD on uh, Amazon. Nice. And I we just got picked up by Walmart and uh, Barnes and Noble on Thursday. Congratulations. That's and awesome. Disney. But this is a film empowering your listeners and viewers to go out and make their own movie. Mm-hmm. One of the first things when I first was successful in Hollywood, the very first project, big movie project I ever sold was a Rodney Dangerfield film. And I sold it to Disney. And the attitude was, Never wise up a chump, Nick. Don't tell people how you did this. We have a map to a gold mine, and we want we want to keep all the gold. Uh-huh. And, you know, I ended up being a teacher. And that's really how I got in the business was I graduated with a degree. I lived in my car. I was homeless. I lived in a Chevy Nova hatchback in the parking lot of a grocery store in Santa Monica for three months. Yeah, that's right. I was determined to get in the movie business. Yeah. Because you've really got to be motivated. Yeah, It's not easy. I don't want to sugarcoat any part of it. It's very hard to be a writer, a director, an actor, a producer. Uh, it, it, you've got to devote your life to it. It's very unfair. And you've got to be really talented. Uh, you're competing against some of the most talented people in the world. And so uh, I started teaching. And in teaching, I started opening doors. And, you know, projects would come out of my classes that we would sell to the studios or we would movies would get made. Hard to Kill was written in my class. The Steven oh, really? Seagal, the only Stephen, good Stephen Seagal movie. Yeah. I have to duck because he'll try to punch me. But <laughs> um, uh, uh, it was written. It was originally called Seven Year Rich. And it was written in my class and my workshop class. And we wrote some movies that got made and were very successful. And I learned the business. But the business was, once you sold something, Hollywood would control it. Mm. And there wasn't really free speech. They really wanted you to come up with the idea. They wanted you to come up with the concept. Yeah. But they were going to sort of put their spin on everything. Right. And so it was very frustrating. And so I really wanted to be much more of a maverick or an independent outside that system. So this movie was created with the idea because, you know, you've mentioned him a few times, Scott. Scott and I met in Orlando when I was at Universal Studios. I think Scott's done like a dozen independent films. Mm -hmm. He goes out and raises the money. 
Yeah. And then we were involved with this woman named Louise Levison. She writes a book called Filmmakers and Financing, which empowers independent filmmakers how to write a business plan and how to go out and get the money. She wrote the, the uh, Blair Witch business plan for the Blair right. Witch Project. Number of movies. This is the new edition, which they actually put my movie on the cover, which is pretty neat. That's me and the okay. white hat. That's Louise on the other side. And so Louise and I were talking at lunch one day and she said, I'm writing a new edition of my book. And I said, I should make a movie out of your book. We should let everybody know what's the one thing that no one's ever made a movie about how to raise money to make a movie. Well, why not tell people? And, you know, there's this there's this thing in our business. It's called the quick yes and the slow no. And, you know, you call people and they'll string you on for a year, two years. They'll give you a false hope. You know, they're called time wasters. Yeah. So I called up Scott and I said, I had lunch with Louise and he was familiar with Louise and her book. And I said, I got the rights to make a movie and I wanted to make a documentary that empowers every person on the face of the earth to tell their story, whatever it is, and make an independent film. And I want to tell them everything we can tell them about how to do it. And Scott goes, that's a great idea. And within 20 minutes, we had made the deal for the film. Scott agreed to raise the money. Scott agreed to be a producer with Maggie, who's my wife. I agreed to write and direct. We put this entire movie deal together for 20 in 20 minutes. Wow. Because sometimes when you have the right idea, yeah. And we weren't quite aware to the extent that social media and other things were going to start suppressing free speech and how big this issue would become. Obviously, we didn't know Burt was going to pass away. We have mm. the last Burt Reynolds movie. We yeah. were, Salma Hayek is in the movie. who's wonderful. She talks with her story about the prophet and how, what she had to go through. Um, and she was a client of Louise's. Um, and uh, Will Nix, who executive produced it, uh, was very helpful to us. So we were able to get to some very big people and some very small people. We, we went out and we talked to students. We talked to teachers. You, you've seen the film. We talked yeah. to lawyers, investors, movie stars, uh, and they didn't all agree, which was made for a very interesting film because I want the audience to make up their own mind. But we've already had one feature film made by somebody who saw our film. Really? Yeah, That's there's great. a guy, there's a guy who came and we did an open we went to the, the school with the kids. Yeah. And then we went to a hipster coffee shop and we invited all the artists in Palm Beach to come and pitch movies. And so a guy came and I sort of gave him tough love, you know? Like he said, "Well, you know, I've written like, you know, seven scripts and I've won all these awards and film festivals." I said, but have you ever sold anything? Have you ever made anything? Mm. He said, no. And I said, well, it's a hobby then. You're not really a you know screenwriter. And um, so anyway, his name's Palmer Edwards. He got so fired up. He went out and raised over a million dollars, made a picture called Red Tide Massacre, which I believe is coming out at the end of this year, which is, you know, we wanted to inspire people, Nick, to yeah. go out, do what we're showing you to do. I don't care what the story is. I don't want to restrict anybody's free speech. If, you, if you, you may not agree with me politically, you may want to make a movie the opposite of what I believe, but that's what we want. We and, and you know, all of these so-called documentaries 
that you're seeing are propaganda. They're not even real documentaries. I hmm. went out, interviewed people. I had no idea what they were going to say. We, we did 100 hours of footage. We interviewed 60 people on camera. And the picture runs an hour and 41 minutes. The first cut was three hours. I had no idea what people were going to tell me. You know, I had, I had people, we had seven people cancel one day. People didn't want to talk about money. They didn't want to give away the secrets. Hmm. They didn't want to go on camera. It was very difficult to make the film and get people to talk to us yeah. because they didn't want to wise up a chump. You know, when people are successful, some people get greedy and other people do the opposite. Okay. For whatever reason, I like to help people. I like to encourage people. I like to, I want to see more movies made. I want to see more voices. I don't want to make, you know, comic book movies for China. I'm right. not interested. I don't care what Russia says. I don't care. I want to make films that Americans want. Um, you know, American movies are number one in every country in the world. Yet we let some of these countries like China dictate, dictate movie. And I'm just not going to do it. Right. And now Disney's deck. D dictating in kids films you know sexual mores yeah yeah they they, they want to have these these characters who are you know they're either gay or now transsexual and they're pushing this on on children now if you want to talk about those aspects that's fine okay these are aspects these are these are things that that happen in society that that, that consenting adults engage in and that's great. And, and if you want to market that to those age groups, that's fine. But when you start targeting children is where I think a lot of people have an issue with that. And I'm so shocked to see Disney. I mean, for example, I, I was watching, I was, I was with some friends who have little kids and she put on an old Disney cartoon of, uh, of was it uh, Johnny Appleseed? And it's about 10 minutes long. It tells the story of Johnny Appleseed. And in the very beginning, uh, an angel comes to him. And as he's reading his Bible, he's reading his Bible and, and, and an angel comes to him and says, God wants you to go spread apple seeds all over the country. And so he picks up and he takes the only good book that he knows and he takes his Bible with him and puts his pot you know, on his head and he, and he travels the country and plants apple seeds. In the very end, the angel comes to him and says, you did a great job. Now it's time to come to heaven. And it was the end of the story. And I thought, I thought, wow, I, where did Disney go from that? When did they change from that to now promoting these, you know, homosexual or transsexual ideologies to children? It, it's just it's odd to me. And the only conclusion that I've been able to reach thus far, and let me, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is that that there's been a, it's been a concerted effort by these groups to infiltrate uh, all different aspects of society, from entertainment to politics to you know, the judiciary even, um, we notice is, is at least not in the last couple of rulings, but for the most part has been leaning very left. So, it, you know, it seems like there's been this concerted effort to infiltrate um, the United States at all these different levels. And I think, you know, entertainment and Disney is probably a big target because they go after children, right? It's the way to reach children, the way to mold young minds and and shape them to their their ideology what do you what do you think about that i think you're absolutely right i i think that we are we are heading for probably one of the most decisive times in the history of this country and i i i i you know i don't like to use the word civil war right. i don't want to see violence i don't want to see it come to that but one side has to win yeah the other side can't destroy the constitution the supreme court the the amendments 
and and get away with it. You, it just can't happen. And I want to see freedom. I want to see people to be able to express themselves. And I want to have diversity of opinion. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a very young man, I was pro-choice. And I'm not proud of that. But I made mistakes. I'm not anymore. Yeah. And if you read, if you happen to believe in this book called The Bible, we're on a journey. We're we're not born perfect and we're not supposed to understand everything. Right. You're supposed to have free will. But a lot of people don't understand. People always say that religion is confining. Religion is freedom. It's the freedom to have free choice, right. to make choices. And you're going to pay those. If, if there is a God and there is a heaven, and that's your choice, if you believe it. I happen to believe it. I happen to believe in Jesus Christ. I happen to believe there's going to be a judgment day. Yeah. And we're going to have to be held responsible. And I want to behave in the, the best way that I can. But I want to tell you something. The more I accept faith and the more I understand this country and what the veterans, the people that gave their lives, people like my father, uh, you know, got a bronze star and a purple heart and was shot in the head. He laid in a foxhole for three days. He lived. They they found him, but he was never 100 percent because wow. of it. But I was I was brought up in a family where we respect people's freedom. We respect freedom of religion. And I don't want to deny these people their freedom. Right. But, but I also, you can't burn the country down. You can't assault people like we're seeing, you know, in the last 48 hours in this country. You know, yeah. Rudy Giuliani being assaulted today, women being assaulted by these uh, groups. And they're attacking, know, they're, they're attacking birth centers, places who are there to help women have children. They're attacking that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me it's like okay i can see you're upset that you, you you can't kill your unborn child all right and but but attacking people who want to have children it just doesn't make any sense these people are insane well you know i used to be a liberal and i don't think i could have gotten how i don't think i could have gotten in hollywood if i wouldn't have been but you know i wanted to end the vietnam war and i marched against that sure. and I was for civil rights. It used rights. to be a different, but it rights. used to be a different, uh, it, the Overton window has slid so far to the left that what was once just, you know, what was, what liberalism used to be is more akin to centrism or even something just right of center these days. Well, uh, my, my point is I was a liberal and I believed in working class people. I believed in freedom. I believed in all the things the old Democrats used to believe in. Yeah. Um, and, and and I wanted to stop Vietnam. I thought it was an immoral war. We shouldn't have been there. Sure. And I wanted equal rights. And I wanted equal rights for women and minorities and opportunity. I wanted all that to end. But today, see, a real liberal today would want everybody to be hurt, Nick. And that's what these people are. These people are fascists. Yes. These, these people are, you can call them socialists, communists, whatever you want. They want to repress everybody and 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 if you don't agree with them then they can be angry and they can be violent and they can burn down these institutions yep. and 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 I look at what people have had to go through and and I'm hoping we can find a peaceful way to get a dialogue going and calm some of this down because it's really getting out of control you're right it really is and my point is you can't trust media anymore you know, I, I, there's a few journalists that I trust. There's a few people that I, I follow. But the, the, the journalism that I work for, CBS News, whatever, uh, uh, you know, I work for Associated Press, different. 
you can't trust those guys. It's all propaganda. It's all one-sided. And, and so much of it, it is not true. And, you know, I look at cinema as an opportunity for people to still have voices, that we maybe we can reach people. And what I wanted to do in Movie Money Confidential, I wanted to open up the doors and say, hey, look, Hollywood has been a closed shop for decades for independent filmmakers and for beginners. And let's just expose it. Let's tell people what's going on. And we want to empower people to, and we don't care what those films are, liberal, conservative. Look, if you think communism is great, go make a film about it. Sure. Convince me of it. Right. But don't try to force it down my throat. And don't tell me that if I work for your company, I have to be a communist with communist values or that I have to groom children you know, for sex education because I'm not interested in that. Those things don't interest me. First of all, you know, we're stealing the innocence of children's childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that's an unforgivable sin. I agree. There's so little innocence left in the world. And, you know, my wife and I, we try to help. One of the films I'm working on now is we are very big in microloans and very big on giving money to people that are starving children. And last week, my wife and I gave out $875 to refugees all over the, the world, mainly children that were starving. And we do microloans and we do donations. I try to give away at least $25 a day. And I'm making a movie about, I'm spending $10,000 over 12 months, giving it away. Can I make a dent in the world? Because, because when I worked at these big companies, you know, like CBS or Universal or wherever they were, they made me give, you know, donations to charities that they supported. And some of those charities were exposed for corruption. You know, you, you, you were buying a, a membership in the country club for the, you know, executive of the charity. They were flying around on private jets, but the money wasn't getting to the people that I was forced to give to. So we were on a ship a few years ago, my wife and I, and we met a woman who was doing this Habitat for Humanity, building houses. And she started talking to us about a company called Kiva. K-I-V-A, that does microloans. And it helps people that no government will help, that no uh, 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 a bank will loan money to, right. but people that are living in mud huts that don't have clean water, sanitation, children that are starving. And I was a huge fan. You're, you're way too young to remember this. But George Harrison did a, a movie and a, a record called The Concert for Bangladesh. Uh -huh. And it was to raise money. It was the first rock and roll charity thing. And I was a young 17-year-old kid. And I was very, very impressed at trying to help feed starving children in Bangladesh. Sure. So I found out that when George died, he gave all the rights to UNICEF. Just gave them the rights. Wow. And they still have the George Harrison fund. So my wife and I give money in George Harrison's name to feed children. And 97 cents of every dollar turns into food that goes in the belly of a starving children. Yeah, so, that's you know, important. I'm, I mean, you know, people say I'm conservative. People say I'm liberal. I, I don't care about any of those labels. If I can help feed starving children, if I can make a movie that illuminates how you can directly, for $25, start changing the world, I don't care if it's liberal. I don't care what people call it. You know, we were filming Movie Money Confidential, and, a, and one of the VIPs had a... a, a a relative come 
And they said, oh my God, that Rick Pamplin, he's such a socialist. He's such a, you know, I don't want anything to do with him. And then other people would go, oh, he's so conservative. <laughs> you know, and the other thing we've got to get away from, Nick, in my opinion, yeah, are these labels. Yeah, I was just going to say. It's identity that. politics. We're killing right. each other. Yeah. I happen to like Ron DeSantos. I think he's a great governor. Today was his wife's birthday, Casey. Um, I happen to think he's doing great things for my state. I love my congressman, Brian Mass. I happen to like Donald Trump right before he ran for president. My wife and I had dinner with him uh, in a very small group uh, at Mar-a-Lago, and I was very impressed with him. I was impressed with the things he was able to do. But I don't like the way President Obama's family was treated. I don't like the way that President Trump's family was treated. We're losing ourselves. We're losing our humanity. And, you know, we we have to be careful. And that's why... I love your opening of your show. Let's deal with facts. Let's talk about the issues. Let's have a complete airing. Let's make cinema that is free of political propaganda. And somebody somewhere, and maybe it's Elon Musk, needs to restart American journalism. Because we need to be able to get to the facts and we need to know what's really going on. Well, you know, here's here's the thing that, that I really like about what you're doing is that, and I've been saying this for a long time, and I've had people on the show to discuss this in, in other aspects, which is setting up this, essentially a parallel economy, a parallel United States, essentially not waiting for permission to change these institutions, but striking out on our own and creating our own parallel institutions, whether that is in the world of filmmaking or some people are doing it in, in the world of commerce uh, and in other aspects and selling goods and services. And, and uh, you know, there, there are people that are taking great risks. I know there are doctors and, and other medical professionals who are risking their medical licenses to be able to provide people with life-saving drugs, such as hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And they're, they're, they're doing it at great risk, but they're setting up this parallel system outside of the system that we have in place right now. And I think you're right. You know, journalism, um, there is a, there is this, this void, this vacuum, this need that people have uh, for, for quality information, for non-slanted, non-biased information. And we're seeing a lot of these, um, uh, what you would call them, you know, non, non-traditional um uh, non-legacy media outlets, a lot of them are on the internet now, are gaining in popularity. And, and is where you look at the ratings of someone like a CNN or even Fox are, are just are going down the tubes because people aren't buying it anymore. People are, are starting to see through this veil of, of, of BS, this, the, you know, the lies. It, and you know what I noticed? I noticed this many, many years ago is that they all preface their statements with two words. And those words are, I think, I think this, I think that, I think this. And so it's all opinion. It's no fact, right? Or they'll present a little bit of fact, but they'll give you about 90% opinion about it. And, and so, and people's opinions and other, you know, are shaped by the opinions of these people on TV, because we as Americans and as human beings uh, were conditioned I think to trust these people on television as a person in a position of authority, a, pers- a person who has knowledge and understanding of things, people like Walter Cronkite, right? He was, he was the, 
in my opinion as well, one of the last great journalists of, of the United States. And, and over time, that, that whole thing has been corrupted. But still, somewhere in American psyche, uh, people still look to the person on television as the professional, as the one who they can trust to give them the information to make the decisions that they need to make. And they've taken advantage of that. The people who have infiltrated these institutions have taken advantage of that trust. And now we've got what we've got. You're absolutely right. But it's worse. I got, I was banned for three days on Twitter last week. I don't know why Twitter wouldn't respond. Of course. They blocked me from sending a uh, communication to Elon Musk. I tried to communicate with him. Uh, They won't tell me what I said or did they didn't like. They just blocked me off of Twitter for three days. I have 150,000 followers on Twitter. I used to have 250,000, you know, but they keep kind of pulling them away. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Wow. So 150,000 people that I communicate with and we share information. I don't advocate any violence. I don't advocate any personal attacks on anybody. I don't. There's people, I don't like President Biden, but I don't want anything bad to happen to him or his family. I, yeah. I don't. We play and, fair. And, and, and I want him to be safe. I want our country to be safe. I also don't want police officers hurt. I want people to be able to protest and not be hurt. But so I don't advocate anything except points of view that aren't popular with the propagandists who run social media. So for three days last week, they suspended my free speech violation. I wrote them. I read all of the guidelines. I couldn't find one thing I had done wrong. It might've been a cartoon. It might've been a joke. I don't know. I do know that friends of mine, if you even slightly suggest that the election was not on the up and up, they'll, they'll ban you. Even though Molly Hemingway wrote a brilliant book, Rigged, and used no sources, all real people. And it's a great book. If you haven't seen it, go to the library. Molly Hemingway from The Federalist wrote a book. At the very minimum, our election stunk. And that book documents it. And then Dinesh D'Souza, my colleague, goes out and makes a movie called 2,000 Mules and no one will, they say, oh, the film has been debunked. And he shows all of these videos of people stuffing ballot boxes in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to go back to the old days. One paper ballot, in person, one day elections, picture ID. Right. Simple. And if I suggest that, I'm attacked, I'm threatened. But I don't know what I advocated that got me banned. So not only... You know, I, what, what, you, you probably remember this better than I do, Nick. Was it Russia that said, we'll arrest the person and then we'll find the crime? Yes. That's kind yeah, of that, was, that was Joseph Stalin. He exactly. said, he said uh, fi- give me the man and I'll find the crime. Yeah. But that's what they're doing. Yeah. The, 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 exactly you know, what and doing. I have friends of mine that are permanently banned from Twitter and they don't know why. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm, I'm one of them. Well, but I represent 150,000 people. And we do a lot of good on Twitter. Yeah, we do a lot of promotion of we adopt. We love. I happen to love dogs. We promote stray dogs and nonprofits. And 
I'm promoting refugees and helping people. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of good on social media in addition to promoting my film. But I'm banned and I'm warned, don't do it again, but that they won't tell me what crime what I did. committed. Yeah. That's scarier than anything you just said because yeah. the journalists can do propaganda. Right. This is moving into some form of socialism, communism, repression. You know, this is serious stuff. I mean, this is what you alluded to in your opening of Adolf Hitler. It, absolutely. This is right right up the, uh, the the same type of events that are occurring now or what occurred then. And they're trying to suppress a certain group of people, not give them the opportunity to communicate. And I know I've been I've been victim of it as well. I've I've had I've gotten strikes on YouTube. I've had to pull my videos from YouTube. In fact, I I I put my videos on private. They still kept giving me strikes. So I I I actually deleted the channel and they kept giving me strikes. I'm like, and so I finally wrote to him, like, what is the matter with you people? First of all, this is my opinion about what happened around the election or about COVID-19. And I'm not allowed to share my opinion my thoughts on something since when did that become criminal in the united states and if even if even if i was saying something that that they didn't agree with right that they well the the election was the most secure in history and and they they agree with that and i disagree with it who cares who cares like if you really think it was the most fair election in history then why not why not allow someone to criticize it because you know that is the most fair and, and honest election in history allows someone to criticize it. But no, they know that it wasn't. And therefore, they have to suppress anybody who wants to point out the fact that it wasn't. And so they are actually conspiring. They're actually engaged in criminal conspiracy to overthrow the uh, a, a duly elected president. So all of these people are participating in, in it, which is why I started you know, the COVID's Most Wanted Cards. A lot of those same people that I list in there are part of the COVID conspiracy, also are a part of this of the 2020 conspiracy to steal the election. And and I've I've listed the crimes that they committed. And I encourage people to to file civil lawsuits in their own communities, uh, in their own counties, in their own states against these people for for the criminal activity that they've been engaged in, which we've now become victims of. And hopefully that will inspire then attorneys general or or city attorneys or 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 whomever to file criminal charges at some point against these people because that's what it's going to take because you're right the alternative like you said we don't want a civil war we don't want this to devolve into some kind of violent action uh where there's no more where communication breaks down completely you know we want to keep an open dialogue we want to be able to discuss these things but if they keep shutting us down at every turn there's no opportunity to discuss. And so what is our alternative? And I think legal alternatives are, are one aspect of it. And I, and I hope that we can get some relief that way. And it looks like the, the Supreme Court seems to be, um, I don't know, at least, at least more open to the idea than it was previously in terms of, uh, you know, the election. Uh, well, I, I, I think there are last firewall, Nick. Yeah, I think that, that if we're going to if we're going to be able to settle things and maintain ourselves as a nation of laws, which we're not really right now, we're really skating on that. Um, and if we're going to be able to maintain law and order and in our institutions and, and have them you know function properly, the Supreme Court has to step in as a firewall. 
because we've lost the media. Uh, we, we, social media is worse. And yeah. we've lost the freedom of speech in this country. And uh, the courts are erratic. The lower courts are very erratic. If you're in the Southern District of Manhattan, it's one thing. If you're somewhere, if you're in Florida, it's something else. Uh, you know, uh, and also, you know, I don't know if this story ever got out or if you covered it, but Disney threatened our governor, Ron DeSantos, and every Republican office holder and said they would spend millions of dollars destroying them if they did not allow Disney to have control or say in what sex educational uh, products or, or programs were put forth to kindergarten to third grade. And they, they came up with this silly name, Don't Say Gay, which has nothing to do with the bill. Right. But the bill says, and and it was, and Ron DeSantos explained this to all of us that live here, that psychologists, doctors, people that are trained uh, know about children, children aren't ready for sex education from kindergarten to third grade. It's too soon. Anything. I don't care yeah. if it's, it's promoting drag queens, transsexuality homosexuality, heterosexual, they're not ready for it. And they advised the governor and the legislature in Florida to wait until after third grade. And immediately, for whatever reasons, Disney, a company that I grew up loving, yeah. the company I sold my first movie script to, they, they, want, they went and fought with Florida and made veiled threats. And they went to federal court and Ron DeSantos took away, I think it was 170 or $180 million tax credit right. that Walt Disney World took advantage of. And their stock is down 50% and their admissions are down. They're destroying the product. You know, so the other, you alluded to this earlier and I want to, again, you hit it right on the head. And, you know, these companies that are woke are all going broke. Yeah. If you look at Netflix, if you look at Disney, if you look at the, the Buzz Lightyear with the homosexual sex or gay sex, I don't know, whatever it was they put in there that they added, uh, that's the lowest of any of the Toy Story films. Tim Allen, who was great, is replaced. They bring it in, and now it becomes, you know, and, and, and all Ron Santos is saying is we can have sex education, but not in kindergarten. Right. And the parents, the polling in Florida is like 80 percent. We don't want we don't want sex education for kindergartners. It just seems, you know, I raised my son and I, I we, we eventually had all those talks, but not in kindergarten. Yeah, it's inappropriate at that age. And and what we're witnessing, I think what, what you're what you're talking about here is is a form of corporate fascism where where these corporations have become so powerful. And I think this is this came on the heels of the repeal of Citizens United, where just unlimited money could be given to political campaigns. And it essentially took the power away from the little guy and from the regular everyday American and put the power of polit politics and political influence in the hands of the people with the most money. And so you've got these corporations who are, who are not only financing all of these different uh, candidates that they want to control or that they do control at some point, but they're influencing public opinion by infiltrating other institutions such as uh, media, right? So you look at uh, what, what Big Pharma has done and they contribute in large part to, you look at all the commercials on all of these news channels, 
It's all financed by big pharma, right? So who do you think is dictating the narrative that is being spoken about on these channels with regard to the vaccines? It's big pharma. So right. they've also infiltrated the FDA and the regulatory agencies. It's called, you know, regulatory capture. They've captured the very agencies that are there to put them in check and keep them in check. And so they've run amok and they are among those that have infiltrated, I think, all all aspects of our of our of our institutions that are supposed to be for the people, not for these corporations. And and it's scary how much power they've been able to to to, you know, to consolidate in doing so. And, uh, right. and if you watch Rand Paul interview your favorite doctor, uh, that, you know, they're, they're now oh. saying that they're going to give a, a preschool children vaccines. And Rand Paul, under oath, couldn't get the good doctor to give one example of one study yeah. that said it's safe for children. And yeah. I don't understand. How is that not pure evil? It, it is. And, and, you know, the, the FDA has gone through several review boards over the over the last couple of years. People have just flat out quit and said, look, I'm not going to approve this stuff. And so they, they, they keep moving through to find different people who are willing to toe the line, willing to do what big pharma wants them to do. And so that's the latest example is this review board. It was a 20 to zero. They all voted in favor of jabbing little kids with the vaccine when it for one. There's no evidence of efficacy. Two, there's there's no really need to do it. Children uh, are have extremely robust immune systems, and uh, and so there's no reason to give them this experimental drug, which we don't know the long term side effects of, and of which they have suppressed and tried to withhold the data, which shows that they're dangerous, which shows that they're they're killing people and they're maiming people and injuring people, and and. So, so when you've got these these supposed you know agencies that are there to 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 help uh, protect us, and when you see that they've been infiltrated and overrun, it's really it really is scary, and we lose a lot of faith in those institutions. And then, like you just said, you've got guys like Fauci. I mean, this guy's so arrogant, and and that he's now practically admitting on on air to his criminal culpability in these things. It's just, it's, it's astounding to me. And I think that they think they've got it so locked up that they can, they can get away with murder at this point because they've got every little, every little thing under control. Uh, but I think their arrogance is also going to be their downfall. I mean, doesn't, doesn't, uh, you know, wasn't it pride that, that caused uh, Lucifer to fall? Right. So, Absolutely. so yeah. So well, same sort of thing. You know, I'm a filmmaker. So when I go back and I look at history, uh, and I look at like Hitler, you know, he had a woman named Leni Riefenstahl. Yeah. And Leni Riefenstahl created modern day propaganda and she would make these movies and they were the German citizens. People always say, how could the German citizens fall for, how could they fall for the Holocaust? How could they fall for Hitler? So they would go into these movie theaters and she would make these really impressive movies. And she would show American GIs, GIs with, with bayonets you know, gutting uh, German babies, you know, and, and just enrage these audiences in these movie theaters to go out and, and take over the world and stop Americans from bayoneting innocent babies, German babies. And I, I'm, we're inching our way there. I mean, we're, we're, you know, I look at Leni Riefenstahl. She died a couple of years ago. She lived in New York. She's about 98 years old. And, and, you know, this is what journalists should be writing about. 
you know, they should be writing about the great propaganda wars. How did, uh, you know, all these guys come in, Mussolini and Stalin and, and Hitler and these guys come in. And, and what are the parallels to what we're going through right now? And who's behind all this? Yeah. I mean, who, you know, this isn't Joe Biden. Right. This isn't Joe Biden. No. He didn't get 81 million votes. We know no. that. He, no. Who's, who's writing those cue cards that say, Joe, sit here? <laughs> he, exactly. He, you know, what's, who's that? I want to know who writes the cue card. Right. And then who tells the cue card guy what to put on the card? But not one journalist asks these questions. We're, I mean, it's scary to me. I, I, you know, I wake up every morning and I pray. And then I think, is this stuff really happening or did I dream it last night? Because every day, Nick, it seems like it gets, the, they keep moving the line. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Well, it, so, you know, it, I think is a part of the overall, uh, it's the overall push to demoralize us by, by making things just ever, ever, ever more um, outrageous. Right. And just just over the top with uh, incredulous uh, things that, that they keep pushing. Um, and and it is part of the demoralization process. I know myself, uh, after having been you know fighting in this war for now over two years and, and doing this podcast for just as long. Uh, I, there are times at which I, I just want to throw up my hands and go, you know what? I've had enough. I don't, I don't know what more I can do. But but that is exactly what they want. That's exactly what they're trying to do, and exactly why they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and doing this this uh, the, these things over and over again, and doing it you know and making it you know even more um, outrageous every single time. And so, yeah, it's a part of the it's a part of the the plan. I mean, it's a psychological attack on the American people. And as and as you saw, and there's a multi pronged uh, attack against our country. And and so censorship is is uh, certainly one big aspect of that, because if people can't get the message out that we're under attack and that these things are occurring, well, certainly it's going to be much harder for people to fight back. And so I think that is probably one of the the key, the key areas of focus that we really need to be on top of right now to be able to communicate with each other, because, like I said, if we can't do that, uh, it's going to make their job that much easier when it comes to taking over the country. Well, that's why I think what you're doing is important. I think the opening of this show is important. I think this podcast is important. And, you know, I, you know, my wife and I have said, you know, we don't hold back on what our beliefs are. You know, we, you can't anymore. You can't be politically correct. You can't worry about your career. You can't worry about superficial things right now because there may be no country if we don't stand up. And, and I see this more and more every day. And I'm very lucky that I live in Florida because I'm surrounded by great patriots and I, I, I belong to a, a thing called club 45 and we have great people in Florida and, and, and we're doing great things here. Our economies, we, it's almost like, you know, um, it was interesting when Biden came in, he started trying to punish Florida and we're trying to clean up the waterways and get the algae and, you know, protect the environment. And, and, uh, so he cut off all those funds, and Ron DeSantis just said, "Okay, I'll I'll just put, I'll put the funds up," and our tourism has boomed, our businesses are booming, yeah, you know, our housing market is booming, our construction market is booming, and we don't have all these political problems, and people are living in Florida, loving the state, loving the economy, you know, and 
people say to me, what it's like to live in Florida? And I go, eh, it's a little like Eisenhower's, Eisenhower is still president because people here have those values, those Midwestern, you know, assault of the earth, you know, uh, uh, values that I grew up with in Michigan as a kid. And people come here and, and we're seeing more and more people coming here wanting to build an alternative. And there are many other states, South Dakota, Texas, there's many great states that are fighting what's going on in this yeah. country. And if you look at the map, and I've, I've done this, Nick, there's a lot more of us than them. There's a lot more states that agree with us. We just yeah. don't have the media or the social media right now. Yeah. We don't have the propaganda machines. And I don't want propaganda. I just want to get all the sides out. And yeah. you, you said something really brilliant earlier. If the election was completely on the up and up, there should be unlimited free speech about the election. Right. But there's just the opposite. There's right. total repression. If you say that you think this election, there was something wrong or that Trump won or whatever, you're immediately shut down on social media. You're shut out. Um, you know, and, and I get these weird things and I'm sure you do. People like I'll say something that I don't even think is that controversial and people will DM me and start threatening me. They're going to come to my house and kill me. I'm like, really? when did we become in this country when legitimate dialogue of discussion became life threatening? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's scary. You know? I mean, that's indicative of a person who doesn't have a a legitimate position, who who they're just they're they're reactionary and they, you know they they have this emotional reaction because they they don't know how to deal with they don't have they, they haven't been taught how to perhaps or they've lost the ability to use reason to use logic and they just come at it from an emotional point of view they get triggered and they want to lash out at somebody and I think that's a problem with some of the younger generations is that is that they've not been given these tools that you know the tools that uh, older generations like ours have uh, to be able to think through something to be able to gather information about something to you know if, if you find that something makes you upset or angry i found uh, for me that the best way to overcome that is to get more information about it to find out to learn more about it and i find oh well once i understand it a little bit better it's easier for me to manage it's easier for me to try and find a solution or whatever but it seems like this this younger generation perhaps it's it's the you know the, the the quick gratification that the internet provides where you just get these sound bites or you get these you know little bits of of info um that has has conditioned their mind in such a way as to not um get you know get the bigger picture or get more information get the longer form of 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 uh of, of dealing with something you know the as i'm saying so uh, you're right. They, they become very reactionary and then it's, and it's very dangerous. I, I've dealt with these people. I've, I've come across them. They've, I've, I've been attacked by a lot of these young like Antifa types, these, you know, communists, they're, they're very pro communism. There's a group out here called Revcom. It's a revolutionary communist. There's Antifa and, and some uh, other several of, of these groups. Uh, these young people and they're very angry and they very violent and for really no good reason other than the fact that they don't like who I voted for or they don't like the color of my skin, which is really, I, I find very ironic being that they're supposedly all about equality, right? And equity. 
and yet they want to they want to judge somebody based on the color of their skin or their political ideologies. And so, yeah, a very, very, um, very ironic, in fact. So I, and I'm and I'm anticipating uh, there's going to be more more attacks like this, especially after this recent ruling uh, of Roe versus Wade. And, and what I really don't get about these people, because they, they're obviously here it is. They're not thinking this through. Abortion's not, they, 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 the Supreme Court didn't rule that abortion is illegal. That's, that's not what they said. They said it's up to the states to decide. And so you've got right here in L.A. where I'm at, you know, they're rioting in the streets and they're attacking cops and they're, you know, they're trying to burn things down like they did in 2020. Uh, but it's not, you could still get into abortion here in California. So it doesn't make sense. They don't, they don't think, right? Right. They're just angry, angry young people. Well, I think there's a lot of people fanning the flames. There's a lot of misinformation. You know, as somebody who wouldn't take the vaccine, I've been making the argument for the last couple of years, it's my body and I should be able to make my health decisions. Sure. Which of course is now what all the, the women are saying it's right. their body. They should be able to make their health, but they can force me to take a vaccine, but we can't protect the baby that's going to wants to be born inside them. And it, 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 it's, it's so convoluted. And then of course there's this claim that there's a constitutional right to abortion. No. And I, I don't know where that is in the constitution. It's I'm pretty not. familiar with it. Yeah, no, it's hard that's, to find. that's what, that's why that was what this, the, the Supreme court decision was about was that it's not outlined in the Constitution. And according to the 10th Amendment, anything that's not outlined in the Constitution should be get the right to decide on that is given back to the people and is given to the states to decide. And that's all it said. And, and people are trying to compare it to the the, the, the Second Amendment-based uh, decision out of New York, or, well, it was in New York and the Supreme Court ruled on it and said that people uh, uh, you know, can't... Uh, concealed carry they don't have a right to well they do have a fundamental right to it it is outlined in the constitution which is why the supreme court ruled on it because right. it's in the constitution so so these are these are apples and oranges when people are trying to compare um, but, but, but here's the problem so every highly elected official goes on national television and all of the media and says that we're fighting for the constitutional right when there is no constitutional right, right and nobody in the mainstream media says a Hold word on. So yeah. it, that, that's the problem. Yeah. You know, it, it's such blanket profit. Look, we, we can have a debate on abortion and on pro-choice and pro-life. And we all have different philosophies and, you know, when it should there be and in what case should there be. And that's an important dis decision. And women should have a say in that. And sure. we should have that dialogue. But what we shouldn't have is a fake dialogue that they're guaranteed a constitutional right to it. And that's what we took away. And the problem is, and when you go back and you read history, that's where the, that's where it starts to slide. You know, that's where Leni Reifenstahl in Nazi Germany, they start exaggerating so that people believed in Germany that American GIs were using bayonets to kill German babies. It never happened. It's never been documented. But this is what they were brainwashing their people with. And so all I'm saying that my film is part of it. Let's just tell the truth. Let's let all voices be heard. Let's stop the propaganda. Let's stop the censorship. Let's let free speech reign. And we live in a, you know, democratic republic. Let's let people vote and let's have free elections and let's verify those elections. 
And I'm willing to live with those consequences. Yeah. You know, I'm willing to live with it. If I'm wrong and I lose, that's fine. I, I, I respect that. But I don't think we're on a level playing field right now. No, absolutely not. So long as it's fair, right? And exactly. so long as there's transparency and there's not all of this, all these shenanigans that like took place in these different cities, these different Democrat run cities in the 2020 election where they were kicking out Republican observers and, and conservatives. They were you know, vilifying them. I mean, I just did a story about a, a guy last week who was at a training center and at, at the TCF center in Detroit. And they were they were training him to be to work as an election, you know, an election official or someone who was there as you know counting the ballots. And they they the people in there had him removed because he wasn't wearing a mask. Now that's on top of the fact that there's no requirement to wear a mask in the TCF center or in the city of Detroit right now. But they were using these same dirty, underhanded tactics to get rid of someone that they disagreed with politically by saying, well, he can't be in here for not wearing a mask. And the funny thing was that the cops that arrested him weren't wearing masks. And so this is just, this is, this is absolute insanity. But you see, uh, the back to the point is they're not playing fair because they know that they cannot win in a fair fight. They know that they're outnumbered. They certainly are outnumbered. They just have a bigger voice. They have the control of the media. They have control of the social media and legacy media. Uh, but they are definitely outnumbered. And a friend of mine, he, a great quote guy, he actually just won the the um, the the preliminary election out here in Southern California. He's a, a conservative guy named Siaka uh, Massaqua. Yeah. And yes. and he he said he says there are no such thing as blue states. There are only blue cities. All states are red. And it's a fact, even California, the majority of California is red. The only blue areas are San Francisco and Los Angeles. And maybe maybe a little bit of San Diego now, but San Diego is traditionally more conservative. So uh, they know that they're outnumbered and that's why they're cheating. That's why they're playing dirty. That's why they're doing everything that they can to obfuscate and prevent the light being shown on these, um, these activities that, that people like um, uh, the, uh, who's the guy that did 2000 mules? Um, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thank you. Dinesh D'Souza. People like Dinesh D'Souza are exposing, right? They're exposing right. The, the, the very, the very activities that these people are engaged in. So, uh, that's why they're fighting like, like hell to <laughs> make sure that they're not exposed. And, but it's only a matter of time. I think as long as people like us, you know, keep it up and, and keep on the pressure and keep exposing it. I think ultimately they, they will not be successful. They, they can't be. Right. And, and I think a lot of what we've been talking about is very disturbing. But I think the great silver lining is we're talking about it. And I, you're letting me talk and I'm letting you talk and you're reaching an audience. And this is the solution. You are the solution, Nick. What we're doing and what I'm going to be trying to do in some of my future films of telling stories that need to be told and helping other people tell stories. Because if we get an open dialogue, all, you know, we can bring this down from the violence, from the propaganda, from the hatred, from the, all the stuff going on. But I think what you're doing is important. And it's very refreshing to be on here to talk to you about this stuff. Because you know, Hollywood was built by conservative Christians. The original blockbusters were Ben-Hur, The Ten Commandments. Uh all of the great Christian films, yep. the real estate that the movie studios 
sound stages are built on were paid for by Christian moviegoers. And they were patriotic Americans and they were Judeo-Christian values. And that's what made this country great. And now they've been, the culture war has allowed people to steal all that and pervert all that into some other messages that are anti-American, anti-God, anti-family. And we need to win that war. So I, I'm willing to engage in that war. And I'd rather do it on, in cinema and on the internet and on your podcast than in the streets hurting people. Sure. And I, and I think that's why I'm a great believer in media. And I'm a, I thought a lot about Walter Cronkite. I, I used to talk to him on the phone. I met him when I went out to Hollywood. And I thought, what would he make of all this? What would real journalists who, who American journalism, they would go into any corner of the world and report the truth. They were fearless. They would go out with the soldiers. And, and in my opinion, one of the great reasons the Vietnam War ended was because of the great journalists that went out with cameras and showed what was going on, how absurd that war was. Yeah. And, and I believe, you know, there's an old thing, if you want to get rid of a bunch of cockroaches, cockroaches, shine a light, they'll scatter. And I believe if you turn on a camera and, huh. and, 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 if you, and if you let people see what's really going on, so we're trying to balance all of this bad by doing good. And, and we need to find our faith. We need to find our beliefs in our country. And we need to find common ground. And we need to like bring this country back together before we hemorrhage into a, 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 a civil war that could take years and all kinds of people could be dragged into it. We don't need that because the world's a very dangerous place. Right. You know, if we get into a, a civil war in this country, you know, other people are going to be looking at us. We don't want that. So we've got to we've got to come together. So I'm optimistic that the country is going to speak in a voice this fall that we're going to be able to make some changes. Uh, I, I'm confident that the Supreme Court is going to be strong and be a firewall to be a constitutionalist Supreme Court, you know, and that we're going to be able to protect our institutions and and hopefully. Um, I don't. I don't want to put too much on this, but I'm just thrilled about Elon Musk. I, I just love what he's trying to do with Twitter and trying to keep free speech alive. And and I think that we need some people to take over some social media that allows people to engage and have these kind of discussions. And we need a lot of these discussions. And I may be wrong about some things, and I may be right about some things. And I want to hear what other people have to say. Right. And what, what, listen, I I totally understand. People are very upset about Roe versus Wade. There are two sides. The country's fairly evenly divided on it. And we've got to figure out how not to destroy the country over this issue. But we've also got to preserve life of the unborn. You know, you want to talk about women's bodies? What about the women babies that are being born? Right. Our Constitution says they have life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. You can't have life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness if you're not born. Right. Yeah, that's what it came down to for me. You know, I originally was on the other side of of the of the argument, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And that was really the the one pivotal point for me came down to, well, what about the rights of the life of that unborn person? That's really what it comes down to. And 
you know, I could go, I could go off into more or more detail about that, but you know, we, it's not sure. really necessary, you know, not really necessary at this point to, to make the point right. is that, is that, yeah, people have, have forgotten to, or don't know how to debate, you know, or how to listen to another person's point of view. I'm, I'm all for listening to the point of view of someone I disagree with. In fact, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of how this, this show started out. And I've, I've, it's been difficult for me over time to find people I disagree with because they've all been disconnected from me. I've been kicked off of these social media platforms where I can no longer engage with them. But I, I had a guy on who was a uh, democratic socialist who worked with the democratic socialist party and he really believed in it. And it was a guy I had worked with previously, um, in one of my uh, jobs. And I don't, I don't agree with him politically, but I respect his opinion and I wanted to hear about it. And I wanted to have a debate with him or a dis discussion with him. Uh, so I brought him on the show and, and, and I think really that's what we've lost is, is people have become so compartmentalized in their own thought, their own ideology that they're not willing to open up and listen to the other side. And, and I hope that through someone with like Elon Musk opening up Twitter again, that will begin to have that dialogue because that's going to diffuse a lot of this anger that is welling up inside of people, both on the left and the right. Exactly. And, and so uh, that's what we need. I mean, communication is the key to diffusing that and backing us away from that precipice of a, a, an all-out hot civil war. I think right now we're kind of engaged in a cold civil war to a certain degree. But, yes. but uh, you know, for to stop it from moving forward and getting much, much worse, we definitely need to communicate with each other. So hopefully right. we can and do I, that. And I, and I feel as a former journalist and as a filmmaker, a lot of my job is to try to find ways to be a peacemaker, to try to find ways to bring people together. And, and, and uh, boy, that's one thing that I pray about. And I think about, and I think about it so much in my work now, you know, what can I do to try to, to, to make some of these problems, you know, get resolved because I don't want us to keep going the way we're going. I mean, people are being assaulted in the streets. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, when we did the, when I was in the, uh, the anti-war movement, you know, we protested and some of those turned violent and I hated it then, you know, I hated what happened on both sides and ultimately that war ended, but I'll tell you what happened in Vietnam. Cause I was very involved in this. What happened in Vietnam, we started off and like 80% of the people supported that war. But by the time we got to the end of that war, 80% of the people didn't want that war. And public opinion, that's why, and I don't mean to be, you know, kissing up to you. I love your opening tonight. I love what you're doing on this show. Thank and you. I'll just say it openly. But I, I think what you're doing, this is the thread of what we need to start doing. Convincing people to talk, to have a dialogue. We didn't end Vietnam because there were riots in the streets and we killed people. We didn't end Vietnam because we got chicken and we got afraid of the North Vietnamese. We got we we pulled out of Vietnam with a Republican president, Richard Nixon, because the American people lost the will to have that war. Yeah. And you cannot burn down or you cannot destroy the Supreme Court. There's three branches of government. Right. You cannot abolish the First Amendment. You cannot abolish the Second Amendment. You cannot take away the rights that are legitimate constitutional rights of people. We have to get that secure. 
and we have to have a dialogue. But, you know, a lot of people say to me, a lot of my Republican fans, oh, why you were against Vietnam? I said, I thought it was a wrong war. I didn't buy the whole theory. And I didn't like what we were doing in that country. And today I give money to Vietnamese orphans and widows and help them that uh, uh, in their country. Uh, I do microloans. I, 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 I try to help. Um, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was a very small part of the dialogue of trying to stop that war. And we did stop that war. Yeah. And this war, for lack of a better word, co-war, whatever you want to call it, we really need to stop this and get a dialogue going. Because once people come to their senses, they're going to know you and I are right, Nick. Let's be honest. You know, they're going to go, you guys, you guys are right. You know, and I know at the end of the argument, the, even the people trying to suppress free speech aren't going to want to suppress free speech. They aren't going to want to take your guns away. They're not, they're, they don't want what they think they want. And once we get everybody to calm down, this country historically, you know, was built on those things. And those are the freedoms. And, you know, when the British try to take our guns away, you know what happened. So, right. You know, right. It doesn't work well. Right. It never it never has. But you're right. You know, I think getting back to the fundamentals, the constitutional basis on which our country was founded is really good. What's going to keep this country together so long as we keep that intact, I think we'll be OK. And um, and you're right. An important part of it is is open communication, open dialogue. So hopefully that we can we can keep that going and and avoid or avert um, things getting much, much worse. But it seems like the people there are people who do want to destroy this country and they're doing everything they can to prevent this open dialogue from happening. So we know who our enemy is. We know what their strategy is. And now it's a matter of uh, of countering that strategy and countering their activities with our with our own. And so um, I, I want to thank you for the work that you do, because that's that's an integral part of that. And and for helping also with movie money confidential to help other people to be able to do that right as they say sending the elevator back down once you made it to the top send the elevator back down help some other people get back up to the top with you so i uh, really do appreciate you taking the time and and um, sitting with us and and sharing your thoughts uh did, did you did you have is there a way or what is the uh, twitter handle that people can follow you on uh i'm on rick pamplin uh at uh on twitter I'm also Pamplin Film Company, P-A-M-P-L-I-N, just like he's got it spelled on the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so I maintain a movie. One of the accounts is really about movies and the business, and the other one's more my personal type stuff that's going on, mm -hmm. although they kind of spill over into each other a lot lately. Uh, so, yeah. and also, if you want to see our movie, and, you know, uh, this will make Scott mad, but what, we're on 14 streaming sites, video on demand. Go to moviemoney.com okay. and you can look it up. We're on Amazon. We're on Time Warner. We're on Voodoo. We're on some great, great sites. But if you're broke, and I've been broke in my life, okay? If, if you've been broke, okay, uh, go to Hoopla. Get a library card. Go to Hoopla, the free streaming site, and you can watch my movie for free. There's all of the channels right there. And if you go to Hoopla, and you get a library card and a public library, you can watch my film for free. Because I always want to make the film accessible. And we made a deal with Hoopla, so we do make money, but people can see it for free. They can't afford to go on Vudu or Bright House or Amazon 
or any of those fine companies that are doing our film. So uh, I want people to see the film. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Nick. If you disagree with Nick and me, go watch the film and make a film and convince us your point of view is right. But make a film. Make yeah. your case with facts, with evidence, with research. And, and I think if we honestly, I'm not saying everybody has to make a film, but if we could get back to real journalism, if we, you saw my film, we, we fact checked, we double checked, we triple checked, we transcribed a hundred hours of interviews to make sure we didn't duplicate the same thing, say it over and over. We're very careful, you know, become very careful in your, your, what the words you use, be very careful and respect everybody. And, and, and let's get some real dialogue going and some journalism going. And this is a good good foundation and support Nick. You know, I, I followed you today on Twitter. I followed you on, on uh, LinkedIn. You know, I wanna be part of your family. I wanna promote you now. I love what you're doing, Nick. And I think it's courageous. And by the way, this show is very professional. I'll dress up next time. Oh. I'm, used, I'm used to all these podcasts with hippies. So <laughs> next time I'll dress up. But uh, no, I want to promote you. I want to promote this show. Let's get the word out. Everybody listening, please support Nick and, and support what we're trying to do because we're really good guys trying to save the country and what we think is important. And we're trying to do it in a sophisticated, respectful way. And that's really the key. So I'm, I'm honored to be part of this show and just consider me one of your fans. And I'll be promoting you on all my social websites and talking to people about you. And I was very impressed at how professional you have done in presenting this show, and especially your opening, Nick. Good job, buddy. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate that. And uh, likewise, you know, I, I am a, a great admirer of your work as well. And uh, that, again, thank you for taking the time to to come on the show. I mean, I know you're a very busy, man. I, I you know, I talked to Scott. I know what you guys are up to. So, uh, so it's it, it's nice that you you were able to take some time to sit down and, and share your thoughts with us because, uh, like you pointed out, that's that's what's is is really important is getting that information out there. And uh, I do appreciate you sharing this with your audience, and and we'll um, you know likewise uh, promote it on this end as well. So. Uh, yes. Nice to see you in person and, and certainly have you back again on the show uh, in the future. Absolutely. And thank you to all your listeners and viewers. Uh, I cannot encourage you guys enough. You're following the right guy. Please help us spread the word. Let's get Nick a big audience. All right, Nick, man. Great thank show. You. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Rick. All right. Take care. See you all soon. Right, take care. Bye. All right, bye. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, another great episode of the Free America podcast. Always love bringing you some great guests. And today is no exception. Rick Pamplin certainly is a mover and a shaker when it comes to making things happen in the world of entertainment. I mean, the guy is like you saw. He's helping other people bring their stories to the screen. He's also showing you how to do it, telling you how to do it. But then he's out there walking the talk. You know, he's out there battling for free speech and and making sure that we have a voice and that you have a voice that you can share your thoughts even if you disagree with what rick and i say i mean i love it that's what is great about this country that's what's so great about free speech and about the first amendment is it gives us the right to speak about and to talk about the things that are important to us and to share our opinions with that and so uh, even if you disagree with what we talk about i would encourage you to join the fight to give us and give yourselves the opportunity to keep that free speech flowing. So once again, thank, th 
thank you to our guest Rick Pamplin. And um, you can, I will put a link to his social media feed in the show notes section of this podcast. So uh, you'll you'll be able to follow him on Twitter and and follow his uh, his film company on Twitter as well. And of course, if you once again, if you like what we do here and you'd like to um, join in the fight, so to speak, and to help finance the Free America podcast, visit covidsmostwanted.com. And I will put a link to a direct link to where you can purchase these cards along with the promo code podcast. So if you go to covidsmostwanted.com, that's one way to get them. Um, and you can uh, see, uh, learn about the cards there, share this with other people, um, and then click on the link in the store. Um, but also you can click on the link that I will include in the show notes section where that'll take you right to the page where you can buy them. It'll, it'll plug in that 20% discount for you automatically and get you the free shipping as well. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to the Free America podcast, to all our friends here in the United States and around the world. Stay free, everybody. Got to fight for that freedom. It doesn't come easy, and they're not gonna they're not gonna give it back to you if they take it away. So we got to fight like hell right now to make sure that we keep that freedom. So to everybody around the world and here in the U.S., good night and good luck, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.